straight through.
Amen. Let's stand this evening, uh, and we're going to sing a hymn of the church. Most of you should uh, have a piece of paper. If you do not, uh, we can make sure you have some there in the back. But if you'll grab your hymn book first, we're going to be in the hymn book tonight. We're going to be on page 200. Uh, I believe is the right number for this. Page number 200 uh, for this uh, particular song. Uh, this song simply says, When Our Lord Shall Come Again.
Amen. Let's take a moment, greet those around you just this evening so that they have an opportunity. Maybe you haven't spoken to someone today and welcome them to church this evening. standing this evening. We're going to sing this old praise chorus of the church. It simply says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. So let's worship the Lord this evening.
that I walk. Well, since that I walk in forgiveness, well, all of my guilt was erased. The chains of the past are broken.
Lord, I just, just want to be with you. Yes, the world. Yes, the world. We'll bow down and say you are God. Every man will bow down and say you are King. So let's start right now. So let's start right now. Why would we wait? Oh, Why would we wait? We can praise you now. Just like that, King of Glory. You are the King of Glory. Oh, will you fill this place? I just want to be with you. Lord, I just want to be with you. Oh, King of Glory, fill this place. King of Glory. just want to be with you. Father, Lord, that is our prayer today, that the King of glory would come down in our midst and let us just be with you today. Father, I pray that, God, we 
are so thankful first and foremost of your presence we felt this morning but God I don't believe you're a respecter of persons that you can't touch a heart or a life tonight in fact Lord I believe you're able to even do it in this hour that we're in right now because you are the king of glory you are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. But, Lord, your word says that you are the same yesterday and today and forevermore, which means you're able to do it, Lord, even tonight. You're able to do something we cannot comprehend or think. And, God, because of that, we stand in your presence. And we declare things like you are the king of glory. We just want to be with you. So, Lord, as we get ready... You're just a moment to break the bread of life. Lord, we're asking that you would speak to our hearts and let your word go forth and accomplish the task that it was sent to do. And Father, let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers of it likewise. And Father, we ask, Lord, that everything that we do, from every note that has been played, every song that has been sung, God, regardless of the outcome, we pray that the Spirit of the Lord would inhabit the praises of your people speak to us in a powerful and special way for that we will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name the people of God together said amen amen you may be seated in the presence of the Lord this evening due to the way service went this morning we didn't get really to do many announcements with you but I want to just for a moment take the opportunity to read a card that was presented to us uh, from uh, an individual and uh, this individual uh, sent this record sent this card to us uh, because of your generosity and everything that you did to bless their family Here's what it says. To the church family, Jordy and I would like to thank you for being the hands and feet of Jesus. You have been there when we needed you most, starting with the assistants to move bedroom furniture, the men that came out, and I understand others were willing to come, but due to circumstances were unable to be there due to work or other obligations. But God knew their heart, and he'll bless the good intentions. Thank you all to all the women who, pour, who prepared food. It was delicious and more than enough. It was good talking to the ones that came out to visit us during those very difficult days. But it was like having a ray of sunshine coming through on a dark, cloudy day. I also know that the amount of prayers that have been going up on our behalf, and they have meant so much to us, and we have felt the love and comfort from them. This is what church family is all about. You have all went above and beyond through it when been with us through thick and thin. I consider you my extended family and church family as you are Jordy's primary church family. Thank you again for everything you did for us, Darlene and Jordy Roselle. Many of you know the untimely passing of Jordy's father there. Brother Andy, I'm going to ask you, I think my phone is laying on the piano. If you'll bring that to me. If not, we're never going to get out of church because I don't know what time it is. So, and it has a timer on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, y'all saw he didn't give it to me. So, y'all know if we stay late, it's on him, not me. He didn't give me my timing device today. So, fire him instead. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, also, let me say to uh, all of you in-house today, uh, we have some cards. 
that are out there. We, we try to get everybody this morning. There are some flyers as well as invite cards. If you know anybody that is interested in coming to VBS, um, this is not normally here, as you can see. We don't normally uh, have quite the link backdrop that we have today, but we're building castles for VBS, for Castle of Courage, and we're going to talk about different characters in the Bible who display courage in the midst of uh, challenging times. And man, do we not need that today? We need courage because we're facing challenging times in our world, but some of the people of God got to have courage to, to overcome the things of this world. And so uh, we're going to be teaching that. Don't forget that dinner starts at 6 o'clock. From 6 to about 6.45 or so, they'll serve you dinner. Uh, they have a list of things. I don't even know. It's going to be food every night and cakes and cookies and chicken fingers and macaroni and cheese and spaghetti and uh, hot dogs and hamburgers. And, I mean, I don't even know. And it's free. Well, let me back that up. It's free to y'all. Y'all have to pay a $5 concession stand fee, but it's, somebody's paying uh, for it. But... At the end of the day, we're going to have a time of fellowship. Uh, uh, we, we decided to try this this year, uh, doing it a little bit differently, only because sometimes we like to sit, but in those rotations, it gets hard for the kitchen to get the kids out, especially if you got like three to five-year-olds trying to get them cleaned up and get to their next thing in a 20-minute window or a 15-minute window. And the other six to nine-year-olds are like about to rip the door off because they're ready to get their peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And they're screaming, I want goldfish! It's just easier to give everybody their goldfish at one time. Everybody gets to eat at one time. And then we just rotate them around. So don't forget it starts at 6 if you're eating. If you're not eating, well, fine, you can starve. We'll start at 7 for you from 7 to 9. Uh, school's out, and uh, that's going to be an exciting time. Uh, the most dreaded words of summer is, I am bored. That's what every parent dreads to hear. Because when summer rolls around, there's no school, and all they say all the time is, I'm bored. And then you as parents and grandparents have to entertain them. So we're trying to help you at least for a couple hours at night for them not to be bored. And you have to entertain them. So please bring your family, your friends, uh, your co-workers, their friends. Uh, invite a stranger and their friends. Just bring anybody you can. Don't forget camp meeting also is coming up uh, so that you can be streaming it. We'll put a link out on our Facebook page, but due to... Uh, the way copyrights are and things like that, they we can't stream it directly to our page in terms of setting up a camera in the tabernacle. So you have to either click the link that we'll put out on our uh, Facebook page and, and watch it on the South Carolina Church of God Facebook page because they're the only ones with the authorization to stream that night due to different copyrights with the singers and different things they're doing. So you can watch it. You're just going to have to get to their page or either click the link and it'll send it over there to you but we can't stream it directly from ours due to we can't set up cameras in there for you to hear quality i could do it on a cell phone but it ain't gonna be the same for you to hear with that so uh, that's coming up so make sure uh that if you're interested in doing uh being a part some people like to go some people like to listen some people like uh camp meeting uh, it's a little bit different than days gone by it's not sawdust floors and uh, a tent. We have air conditioning in that building, thank the Lord. And it's closed with, with working bathrooms. Well, I say working bathrooms. Last time we had camp meeting, they actually weren't working. So I hope this year they are. That particular year, they did go out. We had to walk across the street to the cafeteria uh, because something happened. So hopefully they are working, but they are air conditioning. So uh, it's a little bit different than that, but, uh, but we still have a wonderful time in the Lord. And uh, as you're turning in, the, to your, in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 15, uh, let me just say to everyone in the building, and, and, and more of a, a word of, um, uh, 
I guess, a, a, a commendation and appreciation. I, I, I want to say to you as a body, but also uh, to the Lord that, you know, I love it when God just comes by church. I just love that. Now, don't get me wrong. I would have loved to have preached this morning. I would have loved to have spent time with you. I'd have loved that. But sometimes, man, I'll just tell you what, sometimes it's just good when God does his thing. When he just moves and he speaks and lives are changed. Sometimes you, well, most of the time, you leave church like that, you don't even have to go to, to out to eat when it's over because you're satisfied. You leave church like that, I mean, you still want to eat. But something in your spirit, you just feel like, you know, I, I really believe that, like services this morning we experienced. I believe that if, if I ever could ever possibly get what was in the mindset of the psalmist when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. If I ever could get in that moment, I think it would be after a service like this morning. After you leave that, you have to, I mean, just something in your brain just has to go, man, who I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to church. Because there's just something special about it. And so thank you for your willingness to be here. Uh, uh, we we had somewhere between 62 to 63 people on this property this morning. Uh, so God is moving. We counted the people who normally would have been here, uh, like Miss Ann, who was out, and Andrew, who's still with his family, uh, Brother Ray uh, Godin, who was not here this morning, uh, and some others. Uh, Brother Chris had, uh, I think, one of the children were sick, so he uh, only two of the Craven clan were here, so three were out. When we counted everybody that normally is here, and some of them that were here last week, there'd have been 80 people on this property today. If they'd have been here. That's a lot of people in this building. And let me just tell you how good God is. Now, we also, we're excited that we had 62 people, and we don't discredit that. We thank the Lord for that. But there were 14 children in children's church this morning. They had a slew of children. That is why I thank God I am not the children's pastor. Because I'm telling y'all, that dry cleaning idea, hanging them up and giving them a number and just having them on a conveyor belt and sending them around, sounds better and better with more children. But Miss Jeannie and Miss Sandy love them. Thank God for them. And Miss Jeannie and Miss Sandy hate us as parents because they give them candy today. Miss Jeannie and Miss Brenda, uh, Miss Jeannie and Miss uh, uh, Jennifer today, I, I, when Micah and Ivan, uh, and Micah and Ivan both, neither one need extra help to be excited for anything. But they came out of Children's Church, and they had these little goodie bags with, like, four boxes of these individual milk duds and had uh, uh, three musketeers and Snickers bar. And this, like, I was like, this is not Harvest Festival yet. We should not be giving candy out. And they're like, and then Brother Randy's like, oh, don't forget your cookies, guys. And I'm thinking, do y'all want us to actually have brains when this is over? Like, what are we doing? I don't know if we ran. I, I'm sure we were close to running out of cookies today. I don't know if we did or not. We had to be pretty close, pretty close. About 14 kids. There were 16 total with two adults. But 14 kids. I don't know if ever in my two and a half, three quarters years here, there's ever been 14 kids in children's church. There may have been once, but I don't remember any time we had 14 children on this property since I've been here. No, I know days gone by. But I'm going to tell you what. That's a good day when 14 kids heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a good day. And so for all our workers in that in that department, thank you and volunteers. Um, hopefully that's just a sign of good things to come with BBS and all of those other things. But I do want to say to you as, as the body of Christ, it just it meant so much to me today uh, to have the presence of the Lord in our midst and uh, him being a part of our services today. That being said, let's jump into the word of the Lord so you can uh, get out of here and get some dinner. If you will stand for the reading of God's word, we're going to be uh, in John chapter 15. 
verse number 1. We're going to start there and uh, read down to about verse 8. John 15 and 1. You know this story very well. This is a teaching of Jesus. Jesus is teaching here. And I'll be reading out of the, the NASB Bible, but you'll have it on the screen as well. And the King James there to read. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, or some say, some translation, husbandman. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he'll prune it, so that it will even be able to bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Therefore, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Because I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he that... Hideth, or excuse me, that he that abideth in me and I in him, the same will bring forth much fruit. Meaning, you got to stay grafted in if you want to produce anything from it. Jesus goes on to say, because apart from me, you can't do anything. I said to you this morning, you can be a master electrician, you can be a master carpenter, whatever, but if you don't know Jesus, it really don't mean too much. You can't do anything. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and he dries up. And they gather them together and cast them into the fire to be burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Verse number 8. My Father is glorified by this in the fact that you bear much fruit to prove you are my disciples. How do you prove it? Because you're bearing fruit. I want to talk just for a moment what it means to be a part of the vintage vine. What does it mean to be a part of the vintage vine? Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your word. Give me boldness and clarity. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary and anoint these lips of clay. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would not only be hearers but doers of this word. And let it forever be settled and resonate in our hearts. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The vintage vine. See, I want you to understand, before I can even get really deep into this message, the name or the meaning of when something is considered vintage. What that means, because it's easy to say, oh, that sounds like a frou-frou-y title, the vintage vine, except you have to be like, but what is vintage? To understand the value of the vine. According to the dictionary, here are some characteristics or definitional characteristics of vintage. It is the time that it takes something of quality to be produced. The timeline that it takes something of quality to be produced. It also, another uh, definition of it, is denoting something of high quality. High quality. Now, oftentimes, vintage is used to describe things like wine. 
because they always tell you, I personally uh, don't know this from experience, but I have family, unfortunately, who uh, are connoisseurs of such things. Uh, they, they know their beverages very well. But they tell me the older that it is, the better, apparently, that it is because it has been it's been captured in this bottle and it's been seasoned with time. It's considered vintage. It is it is a high quality, high producing, if you will, valuable wine. And when we think about that for a moment, we have to think about what does that mean as a part of the body of Christ? Because the Bible tells me, according to the Apostle Paul, the following words in 1 Corinthians, and I want to say it's around chapter number 12, and don't hold me to it, but I think it's 1 Corinthians 12, where the Bible says, For we are all members of one body. And the eye can't say to the ear, I don't need you, or the hand can't say to the mouth, I have no need of you. We all might play different parts in the, if you will, the story of what it means to be a part of the family of God. But the reality of it is, each one of us, one way or the other, we're a part of the body. Now the problem is, sometimes, I hate to say it, but sometimes body parts get amputated. <laughs> now, I know this won't be exactly a fan favorite message, the best one I've ever preached of all time, but it's still the truth. Sometimes, I use this for an example, obviously my wife, I pick on her all the time, I call her Dr. Grant at home. Y'all know her as Brianna, I call her Dr. Grant. She's not really a doctor, y'all. But every time we have a discussion, every time I tell her, well, such and such happens, she goes, she does this whole assessment sheet. Like, I mean, she already knows what you got. She knows what pills you're supposed to be taking. And she's, I'm like, why don't you go to a hospital? You can save them a lot of money and save them all this time. Go ahead and tell them what they need to do. And she's like, I'm telling you. And I'm going to tell you about 99.999% of the time. She's right. In fact, really, she's right 100% of the time, but I don't want her to think she's perfect. So she's about 99.9% .9 right. But she does her own assessment. I'd be like, my toe hurts. And she's like, well, you probably are low in this. And this and, this. and she's like, I'm like, man, I'm just tired. I, mean, I pulled up a tree yesterday. My toe hurts. She's like, daddy, that tree didn't do that. You're old. That's why. That's why. I'm like, wait, what? But I, I, I know from just listening to her stories, and, and she talks about, she, she does, uh, you know, peritoneal dialysis. She's a PD nurse, so she can go. She's one of the few at the hospital that can go and hook you up for your dialysis when you're in the hospital. And I have met people, I know like Sister Jennifer's mom and others and different people that I've met along the way, they have, they have certain dialysis they have to meet and things like that. If you miss, it ain't good <laughs> if you miss a dialysis appointment. But I also know that diabetic people, if they don't take care of their sugar, something begins to happen to different parts of their body. And those parts of the body start either A, turning colors, black, they can have gangrene set in. And eventually what happens is once that happens, a doctor will walk into a room and say, look, we only really got one choice. And the only way we can stop the spread of the infection virus is we're going to have to do an amputee. We're going to have to amputate it. We're either going to have to take off that toe because it's cirrhotic and it's going to cause more problems, so it's got to go. Or we're going to have to take off that arm. Or we're going to have to take off, you know, whatever, that leg. Because something happened within their body and it didn't go, and in order to protect the rest of the body, the doctor had to come in and he had to amputate the, dise the diseased part of the body. 
See, we don't like to talk about that, but do you know that's what God has to do sometimes? Now, I know this is not popular preaching, but uh, I just want you to know, sometimes, because we are all a part of one body, the great physician sometimes has to come by uh, the hospital of our lives and the, the body of Christ. Sometimes he has to come along the way and he has to prune some things. He has to amputate some things. Because can I tell you, not everything that gets attached to the body is good for the body. Not everything you put in your body is good for the body. Not everything that in, ends up happening for the body is good. See, what happens is, the reality of it is, is that there are some things, a part of the body, that it will cause disease. And it will cause other problems for you down the road. Now, here's the problem. Yeah, I think I just lost signal somewhere. I'm not sure what happened. We must have lost signal. Here's the reality of it. Nobody wants to be the part that gets amputated, though. Because now, while I described to you, just described to you what the Apostle Paul said to the church in 1 Corinthians, it really kind of goes back to what is said here in John chapter number 15. Sometimes the vine dresser is going to come by and get rid of dead weight. Because what happens is, if you're not careful, the dead limbs and the things that are not supposed to be growing onto the vine and the other, uh, other you know, uh, weeds and things that attach itself to the, uh, to the vine, a good vine dresser or a person that is a harvester of grapes knows that if they're not careful, if the wrong vine gets intertwined, it will suck the nutrients away from the vine that needs it most and will eventually kill out. The vine that is supposed to be producing fruit. It will choke it out. But man, doesn't that happen all the time in church? You know, we know people come and they go and things happen. I get that. Madison, if you want to, you can take those uh, remotes and just turn those side screens off because we're offline apparently. The reality of it is this, though. See, what happens is that sometimes in the body of Christ the devil will sometimes allow, allow people to sneak in it. And what they'll do if you're not careful, they'll come along and they will mess up the body. They'll come by and they'll say, well, you know, do you really think that was the Holy Spirit that was there that Sunday morning? They'll get on the phone and start having conversations with people about, well, do you really believe that sister so and what do you think her need was? And they'll start sowing what we call discord in the church of God. In the Bible they call it gossip. <laughs> but, but they'll start talking certain things. And, they'll start, and what's happening is, is there is a weed that's got amongst the vine and is trying to choke out the vine. Or in another tra uh, way to look at it, there's a part of the body that has gotten a little, if you will, diseased and bitter and trying to create havoc and poison the rest of the body. But the Bible says Jesus sometimes has to come by and take care of those things. See, in one story that I read, in the Hampton Courtyard near London, England, there's a grapevine, which some have dated it to either be, to be, they know it's centuries, plural, years old, maybe even thousands of years old based on its growth rate. This vine has one root, and that root is about two and a half feet thick, 
Think about that. Think about what two feet would be like. That's how big the root of this vine is. Some of the branches they have measured out extend over 200 feet long. Just a branch. 200 feet long. From the main part of the vine, one's 200 feet long. Despite its age, this vine produces several tons of grapes a year. Ton meaning a thousand. So several thousand grapes a year. Although some of the smaller branches are 200 feet from the main stem. I mean, some of the little tiny branches are only yay big, but they're literally 200 feet downwind. These same small branches 200 feet away still produce fruit. Delicious, delicate fruit. Just because they still are connected to the main vine. See, the reality of it is there are some of us, there are times in our lives we feel that we are way away from God. We feel like God is a million miles away. The more we pray, the more it feels like the heavens are brass. The more we seek the face of God, the more we feel like He's turned a deaf ear towards us. Sometimes it feels like God is way yonder, even though we haven't really done anything wrong, though we feel like we should still have a relationship with Him. It just seems like He's way away. But can I tell you that even if God feels like He is 200 feet downwind, if you still stay connected to the vine, you may not be as close to the vine as you once were, but as long as you still are grafted into the vine, even if it's a long way down, there's still the nutrients, there's still the Spirit of the living God that flows through that vine, and you still will be able to produce much fruit by just being connected and staying attached to the vine. Because he's the vintage vine. He gets better with age. I, I one time read a thing one time that said this, it was on a pillow, it said, I age like fine wine. To perfection. There's a cute little pillow there that they were trying to, I guess, tell someone in a nice way you can be old and still be cool. I guess. I don't know. I guess that's what they wanted them to know. But the reality of it is this. Jesus has been around since the beginning of time. And over, you know, around 2,000 so years ago, he was on this earth. But you know what? He's still just as good as he was from day one. He might be centuries, years old. In fact, he might be light years, years old. In fact, he might not even, you may not, we may, obviously we know, you can't even put an age on him. He's been around so long. He's ageless. You talk about some people, you, some people, they're in their 90s, like, man, they seem, they're just like ageless. They just never age. God's been around since the beginning of time. He's ageless. But he's just as good now as he was when he first started this thing all the way back in Genesis. The, the, the old songwriter got it right. I believe that the person who wrote this song, they got it right. It says it does get sweeter as the days go by. The longer I serve him, the good grace he gave me, nothing from me will he deny because he gets sweeter as the days go by. Can I tell you that it was, it was sweet the first day I got saved, uh, you know, somewhere probably 30, about 30 years ago, give or take, uh, 29, 30 years ago when I first gave my heart to Jesus Christ. That was a great experience in that Sunday school classroom in an old chapel at Oakland Road Church of God with Miss Pam and Beckham and Carla Wren sitting on a Wednesday night in an old yellow chair in a little Sunday school table. It was sweet then, but can I tell you 
you almost 34 years, in a couple weeks, 34 years old. Can I tell you 30 years later, can I tell you God is just as good as he was when I was four? He's been faithful to me when I was 14. He was good when I turned 18. He was good when I graduated from college. He was great when I graduated from my master's degree. He was good when Micah came along. He was good when Brianna came along. He was good when I left Orangeburg, Pennsylvania to come to Orangeburg. He was good when I left Orangeburg and came to Monk's Corner. He was good when I moved from Monk's Corner to Somerville. And can I tell you on May 22nd, 2022, some two years after COVID made its entrance into the world, God is still good. He's still faithful. He's still just. I'm telling you, he's still good. He's still good. He's the vintage vine. You see, Jesus is that same way. See, some of you have been serving God longer than I've been alive. That shows me he's still been good to you too. Some of y'all have been saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled longer than I was even born and been alive. And that just encourages people like me and those coming up after me that if God's been good to you that long, that means God's going to be good to me that long. That means if you sit in this building with people like Brother Barnes and Sister Barnes in their, their early 90s showing up on a Sunday morning when they walk in this door and they can worship the Lord and they can drive 44 miles one way and they can praise and magnify the Lord, it lets me know, God, if you have kept them 91 years, that means, God, i got a long time to still go to get there, but you're still faithful, you're still just, you're still able, and God, you See, see me through just like you have seen them through because you're still the ageless one but there's a couple things about a vine the first thing I want you to understand about a vine is you got to plant it you got to plant it it's the very first thing that you need to know number one plant because if you don't plant it it don't grow my wife has decided that we're going to become a farm I guess she's upset with me because I won't buy property and get animals because the first thing was let's get married, let's buy some acreage and let's start having goat, sheep, cattle, donkeys and every other animal. We were going to have a petting zoo for all you to come by and see. When I said I'm not milking cows for a living and shut that down real quickly and said I buy my milk from Walmart or Aldi's or Lidl's, I don't go outside to find it. She decided we'll go a different route. So the other week, she decided, let's go shopping. And I go, what are we shopping for? And we're out there, and she's looking at all these tomato cages and buckets. What I didn't know is she and Miss Brenda Burbage decided they were going to become best friends. Miss Brenda calls, says, Pastor, i got something at the front door you need to come get before you leave church. I go out there, and I've got a garden and buckets. I've got bell pepper. I've got squash. Well, first got squash. And then the other day, I guess it was on Friday, yesterday, or no, it was Friday, I believe it was. Friday, I believe. First, I had a bell pepper plant. It had bell pepper on it. And I called her and said, Miss Brenda, what's this other one? She said, oh, it's a mystery plant. I said, what does that mean? She said, I forgot what it is. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to grow money off that thing. I don't even know what's in that pot. It may not. It might be something I never heard of. I might be growing habanero peppers for all I know. I don't even know what's on this vine. So Brianna takes me shopping to Walmart or to Lowe's at Walmart. We're buying cages. Then she said, let's get a tomato plant. Let's try it for ourselves. So now I got squash, zucchini, and tomato, and bell pepper, and something we don't know. <laughs> I'm growing something we don't know. I hope it's legal. But remember, we're growing something. We got it all. We're out there watering it, putting it up in cages. I'm thinking, my goodness, like I'm I'm a I'm a farmer after all. Old, Mac, old McDonald, and old McDonald got nothing on me. They were singing to me this morning. They said, Oh, the preacher has a farm. E I E I O and I'm like, Yeah, he does, doesn't he? 
on his farm. He has some back pain. E-I-E-I-O with a tree here and a plant there and a cage over there. Everywhere, oh, the pastor has a farm. E-I-E-I-O, ooh, that hurts, oh. That was what they were doing. I was like, come on, guys. So, so as you can, but you got to plant it. Now, Miss Brenda, thankfully, has already done the main part. She put it in the soil. She fertilized it. But my wife, between Google and her mother uh, and her green thumb people that she hangs out with now, was like, we got to go buy a different soil. Your soil stinks. I was like, I got potting soil in the garage. She's like, yeah, I can't have that. It's got to be moisture controlled, miracle grow potting soil. I said, well, let the miracle have its way in our pot. Why don't you pray over it and see what happens to it? That's a miracle pot. If it lives, that is a miracle for the preacher. If it lives, that is a miracle growing plant. But the reality of it is this. We planted it. But if we just took those seeds, opened up the pack, and just laid it in the pack outside, on, just laid it. Just open the pack. Didn't even pour the seeds out. Just laid it outside. You know what that plant's going to do? Nothing. Because it has to be put in the right environment to be able to thrive. It has to be planted. That's why the Bible tells us, Jesus tells the parable of, of the sower and the seed. And you can throw the seed anywhere you want to, but if it don't find the right location, it ain't going to survive. The sun's going to scorch it. The birds are going to eat it. But sometimes it's got to be hidden. It's got to go through dark seasons. It's got to go through. See, here's what I've understood about seeds and, and planting. you got to have dirt. See, we don't like to talk about having dirt seasons of life. Now, I have a message that I preach on sometimes about the seed. And I, I preached it about a year, two years ago here. But, but I, I want you to understand something about planting uh, uh, seeds. Uh, it takes dirt. Now, we don't like to talk about dirty things, but when it comes to our spiritual journey, uh, when we lived in sin, we were dirty. That's called sin. We were dirty. We're not clean. We were dirty. But somehow God in his providential love and mercy, while we still yet were in sin, the Apostle Paul said, Christ came down and he died for me. Because he knew I had dirtiness, but he knew that there could be good soil made out of that dirt. Now, that dirt had some bad stuff in it. It had some weeds in it. Jesus had to do some pruning to it. But, but that dirt wasn't really good. But once Jesus saved me, he took all of my dirt. And, and it didn't mean that I still wasn't a drunk back in my past. doesn't mean I still didn't make sins and, and make mistakes in my past. But what he did is he cleaned up my dirt and he put seeds in me. And he gave me ability to produce fruit because he used my seasons of dirt that had now been cleaned to be an incubator and serve as a house for his seed. Because once you put that seed under a lot of dirt, you know what that seed learns to do? It struggles to make its way to the top of the soil. But that struggle to get all the way up and those roots going down to the bottom and that plant and that stalk trying to get up to the top, that adversity that it faces helps it to have a better chance of survival. So when it finally breaks the ground and it lifts up its leaves up towards heaven to say, Lord, I've come through a lot of dirt and I've come through a lot of difficult seasons, but Lord, I'm deeper rooted now than I've ever been before. I'm stronger in you. I'm more grafted in you because I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I've walked through bad places, but Lord, Lord, all those struggles and all those things have helped me just have a deeper faith and a deeper trust in you. And when that plant reaches the top and its full maturation, every tree that you see high in the air lifting their branches toward heaven, underneath the earth there's roots that go miles and miles below the surface because when we go through difficult seasons and dirty seasons and adversity during our seasons, it helps us to be able to understand there is a faithful God that once we come out on the other side, 
side, we can lift our hands and say, I thank you for the mountains, but I thank you for the valleys. I thank you for the storms that you brought me through. Because if I never had them, I couldn't know you could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. That's the whole part of planting it. God's the vine dresser. So he plants it. Sometimes he plants seeds of salvation, sanctification, Holy Spirit baptism. But then there's another aspect. Did you by chance remember to bring me those? Okay, I'm going to need those. Michael, will you bring me those things from his? They're, they're, they're not here? They're in the car. Well, that doesn't help me. In my car, there are pruning shears. They're here. I'll show them to you after church. We own a pair. They're just in the car, apparently. So they're like this. <laughs> they cut things. <laughs> they prune. So the second thing I want you to understand is, number one, you got to plant. Yeah, they're like scissors. There you go. Yeah, you want to bring those to me, Brother Larry? These aren't pruning shears. These are scissors, y'all. Anybody, anybody that gets confused, these are, not prun- these are scissors. Pruning shears are a little different. The first thing you have to do to that vine or that, that thing is you got to plant it. But the second thing you got to do to it is you got to prune it. You got to prune it. You plant it. Once it's planted, the second thing is once it starts to come up from the dirt, every so often you got to prune it. You got to take a sharp pair of pruning shears. You start going around there and you start clipping off the dead. Because you don't want the dead to mess up what's good. And ever so often during different seasons of time, summer, spring, different times of the year, certain plants, obviously some plants can't take the harshness when you do it in the summer, so you have to do it in the fall or the spring. But ever so often, especially during the winter months, you have to cut off, they call it cutting off the dead. I can't tell you how many times I watched my mom go out to her greenhouse that she has that she's collecting on her back porch and go out there and just start clipping away stuff. And I'm like, Mom, you're booking. And I look at it, I'm like, Mom. And she's like, well, this is, she'll tell me what plant it is. I was like, it looks ugly. That's the ugly. Why do you keep that? That is a piece of trash, Mom. I could, that's just something to go in the trash can. She said, be quiet, boy. Wait till spring time. You'll see. And she cuts it back, and it looks rough. Kind of like some people when they wake up in the morning. They look rough. But you know what happens? Over time, after that winter month, after she cut some of the dead and kept cutting, kept cutting, kept and pruning it. She didn't cut the bottom of the plant. She didn't cut the very bottom of the stalk. She didn't cut the main part, what we call the main vine. She took some of the branches and she trimmed up the branches and some of the edges. But the, the main stalk of the plant never got whacked. Even though it was brown too. Even though it was kind of hard. See, some people, they go through so many difficult seasons that they get callous like that plant. They get hardened to the gospel. They get hardened to church. They get hardened to the message of Jesus. But what we have to understand is you can't just always go running around and just cutting them from the bottom. Because you'll destroy them and they'll never come back the same they ever were again. You'll kill them. You'll destroy them, everything they are. So what you do is you have to just kind of get them around the edges. You, you take those plants. And what happens is, in that springtime, all of a sudden, that bark, that's, that's nasty, it's gray and hardened, sister, um, it starts to flake off. And that bark begins to turn green again. And shortly thereafter, this little sprig about this big comes out and it's green. And a couple weeks later... You have a little leaf that's about that big. And by the time spring is finished up, especially before summer or the first frost of April shows up and tries to kill it again, 
they'll start having buds come out. And that beautiful thing that I was getting ready to throw in the trash can in December because it looked like a hot mess. Now is a beautiful plant. And when I go out that back porch and I look at it, I'm like, Mom, that's a beautiful plant. She said, yeah, that's that one you try to throw away because you don't know what you're talking about, boy. That's that plant. I wouldn't have that plant if you up to you. You'd kill it. Round it up. Yes, I will. I was the other day we were outside and Brianna and Micah and I, and we were all cleaning stuff up, and they pointed to a flower. They said, what's that? I said, Roundup food. Michael was like, you can't kill it. Miss Brianna's like, if your daddy killed that plant, huh, it's on. I was like, it looks like Roundup food to me. And Brianna's like, don't you touch nothing in this house. I mean, in this side, don't touch, you just cut grass. Don't you touch nothing in these flower beds, or I'll spray you with Roundup. See what it does to you. The reality of it is, though, that plant that I thought didn't look like it was worth keeping, worth salvaging, it was junk. It ended up being productive, Brother James, after all. See, that's the way the body of Christ has to be. See, we can go around this world. Can I help you with something? We may not see people the same way Jesus sees them. He's divine. God's divine dresser. Jesus is divine. Sometimes we might feel like they're just dead weight. They just need to be thrown off and burnt. But Jesus sees them as, no, they don't need to just be thrown off. They just need to be pruned a little bit. Because they still have the ability to produce if they're just shaped a little bit better. They might go through some difficult seasons. They might have to, uh, uh, you know, smooth out some of the rough spots. They might have to go through a season of, of just getting pruned. But they're, they're still valuable to the kingdom. And to us, we may look at them as they're pointless. They're waste. There's no t- we shouldn't waste our time. That's pointless. They're, they, we might look at people and go, you know, we don't. Why would God want to salvage that? I mean, we might look at it as it's it's of no value. Their life is of no value. Their, their, the way they live would, would not serve the kingdom. We, we may look at them with the eyes of judgment. You know, speck in one eye, two by four in the other eye kind of mentality. We might judge them and say, why would God want that? But see, God understands something like me with that plant that looks at it and goes, that ain't worth saving. My mom, though, being the vine dresser, knew that plant had potential. She pruned it and she saved it. Then when I walked back, I was like, ooh, Mom, that's a pretty plant. And she's like, I know. you. If you just listen, I know what I'm talking about. See, that's how it is in the body of Christ. When we're all a part of the body of Christ, there might be times where we get frustrated with one another. There might be times we see somebody across town, across the aisle, across at another church, and think to, my, think to ourselves, oh, my goodness, why in the world would God want them to still be grafted into the vine? Why would he still want them to be a part of the body of Christ? Why do they still do this? I mean, they're a pathetic excuse of a worship leader. They're a pathetic excuse of a pastor. They are a horrible Sunday school teacher. They can't count. They, I wouldn't want them to be over the finances of the church or help help count money because I wouldn't trust them with a dime, much less than my own money. Blah. We might have all those preconceived notions, but you know what? Jesus sees things in them that we don't see. Now I'm not saying that you don't find some duds because as I read to you, there are some things that get grafted to the vine that God does have to take off because they're not good for the vine. Sometimes He has to get rid of dead weight. That's what the pruning process is. You don't cut, make the cut. You literally you you're gone. You're there. But there are sometimes what we think is not salvageable and not worth keeping. To God it was worth keeping. In fact, I, there's an old praise and not old, it's a new praise and worship song. It's older in terms of the newer modern. It came out probably in 2000 and probably 17, something like that. It actually was recorded by an African-American artist by the name of Anthony Brown. Anthony Brown recorded it, and then it became very popular, and and uh, and a lot of churches started singing. In fact, at the church I 
uh, was a part of. Uh, our band learned it when I was serving there. We taught it as an instrumental first, and then uh, they, some of the choir liked it so much, we ended up making it a choir song for our church. It's not really, you know, this really high-popping song that's just going to blow you away, but it's pretty, tr- it's pretty truthful. Here's what, the, here's what Anthony Brown wrote. He said this. He said, you thought I was worth saving. You came and changed my life. You also thought I was worth keeping, just like this vine. So, Lord, you cleaned me up inside. Lord, I'm going to take it a step further. You thought I was to die for, so you sacrificed your life so I could be free and I could be whole and I could tell everyone I know you thought I was worth saving. See, to us, some people we look at, we don't think they're worth much, but Jesus thought they were worth saving. To some people, we think they don't amount to anything, but Jesus thought they were worth to die for. Some of us, we might think, I don't know that, but Jesus thought they were worth salvaging because he saw things I didn't see, and he cleaned them up inside, and he changed their lives. See, I'm going to tell you right now, some of the best missionaries there are in the world is someone who's been drugged up, doped up, shacked up, messed up, you know, drugged up, whatever you want to call it. But when they meet Jesus, you know what they'll do? They go back to those same spots where they used to be and they start telling their friends, I'm telling you, Jesus is a way maker and Jesus is a miracle. See, it's easy for people like me to stand up here on a Sunday evening and preach to you and say, well, you need to know Jesus, you need to know Jesus. And you're thinking to yourself, yeah, you didn't eat, you, you, have, you barely drank milk as a kid. What are you talking about? You ain't never had a hard drink in your life. You, just, you didn't even drink buttermilk. You've never had a hard light day in your life because I, don't, I can't stand up here this tonight and tell you I got this horror story of all these bad things I did in my past and all of these skeletons in the claws that I don't want nobody to find out about or my criminal record to come out so they don't fire me from being the preacher because I got a rap sheet that's now been sealed in juvie. I don't have that story. Some people do. So when I walk in there and I try to tell Joe who's jacked up, messed up, doped up, whatever, hey man, I might can tell him the same gospel message, but you know what he's going to think about me? Yeah, you've never been there. You don't have a clue what it's like to live like this. You self-righteous preacher. You know who he can relate to? Somebody who's been in that shoes but came out and can walk in there and say, dude, I was in your boat. I've walked where you've walked. I've lived where you lived. And I'm telling you, Jesus is a way maker. Jesus is a miracle. Jesus made a way when there was no way. That's the person going to get his attention. So you got to plant it. you got to prune it. And the reason you do that is, number one, you plant it. Number two, you prune it. But number three, it produces fruit. You plant the vine. You prune the vine. And you get production from the vine. Because if you don't prune it, and you don't plant it, you don't harvest it either and get produce from it. You don't get grapes unless there's a vine, and you don't get the vine. The vine's not going to live if you don't prune it sometimes so that the, the good fruit and the fresh fruit can come out. You plant it and prune it so there's production from the vine. So what are these production? When we talk about these things. What are the productions? So I want to try to see, and this may backfire on me majorly, but we're going to try it anyway because, you know, at least it's on a Sunday night and, you know, all the doctors and lawyers in town are not here tonight to judge me for this, so it's salvageable to do. But I'm going to try something out of the box and we'll see how well this goes. But I'm going to tell you why it's important to prune the vine and why it's important to allow the vine to take root into your life. Micah, come here. This might backfire on me majorly. Working with five-year-olds, about like working with 14 kids in the back. Hold this. Don't play with it. Hold it. 
here we go. You're going to help Daddy preach. It's going to be a new journey for you. Miss Brianna helps Daddy preach all the time, except she just listens when I'm preaching. Here's why Here's why you want to plant the vine and produce the vine. So here we do it. So, so you ready? The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon. If you want to be a watermelon, you might as well hear it. The fruit of the Spirit's not a watermelon because the fruit is... Say it again. It's the fruit of the Spirit is love. Go ahead. Sing it for me. Now you're going to tell me if a five-year-old can know the nine fruits of the Spirit, why can't you live them? Boy, that just hurt, didn't it? Thank you. You can go sit back down, Miss Brianna. I remember the first time that we, he got in my car and he said, Daddy, he said, um, can you play? And he named the song. And I was like, what in the name is that? And he was like, yeah, play it, play it. And I started out, the fruit of the Spirit's not a cherry. The fruit of the Spirit's not a cherry. If you want to be a cherry, you might as well hear the fruit's not a cherry. And a coconut and a grape. And it went to all these other fruits. And I was like, what is this mess we're listening to? I'm like, this is, this is like stupidity 101. This is killing my brain cells, son. Till it got to the chorus. It said, if you want to be a cherry, you might as well hear it. You can't be the fruit of the Spirit. Cause the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now, here's what got me. I didn't know that song, but he knew every word of it. It was like, boom. He just knew nine fruits of the Spirit like that. And I sat in my car, and I thought to myself, now, at that time, he was, you know, he, he was, well, he was four. He wasn't even turned five yet. He spouted them off like that. And I thought to myself, isn't it something that my four-year-old, soon to be five-year-old at that time, can quote nine fruits of the Spirit, and I can't even live them all the right way. He can quote them, and yet I struggle living them. Now, there's some people in the world couldn't even quote all nine of them in order. Hello? If I went, I can tell you, I'm, I, I hate to put him on the spot, but I guarantee you I could probably walk in our teenage Sunday school class on a Sunday morning and put one, numbers one through nine. And just at the top of the page, put fruit of the Spirit and said, please write them. You know what they're going to, I promise you, I love our kids here, but I guarantee you they're going to struggle and not get all nine of them right. He did. You can't tell me it can't be done. He just did it. He just showed you it can be done. He proved it. I can't say nothing else in this message to convince you any more than what he just did. Because when you plant the vine, God already planted the vine. Before the foundations of time, God already had a plan for my life. Before he, the Bible said, before he knit me together in my mother's womb, he already knew me. So the vine was already planted. In fact, Jesus said, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So that was where the vine started. Then it said, in the beginning, then it said, and the word became flesh, and it dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the vine came on down. It's what a vine has to do. It has to go down in the dirt. Then the Bible said that after he died, Jesus descended in the heart of the earth for three days. Well, that, that, that seed or that vine went a little bit further down in the ground because the deeper it goes, the better the root system goes. So it went even, and it took all the dirt of the world. You know how much dirt and sin Jesus took to the cross? Could you imagine how much dirt that had to be of all the sins of the world? So that's a lot of dirt. 
that the seed, the vine, the vintage vine of God is under. But after three days, Brother James, through all of the dismantlement of his body, from all of the discreditment of his ministry, from all the times they tried to destroy him, all the times they tried to discredit him, all the times they tried to make mockery of who he was, after all that adversity, three days later he got up from the ground with all glory and splendor. Then he stood on a Mount of Olives, a Mount Olivet at the Mount of Olives, and he said to his disciples, he said, look, I want you to go therefore into all nations, baptizing them, teaching them all I have commanded you. Go into Genevieve and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. For lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. And Brother Larry, about, about that time, somehow Isaac Newton's theory of relativity and gravitational pull somehow lost its effect on, on Jesus because he started defying gravity. And he started going back up because, you know what, a seed can only stay in the ground so long. But eventually a seed has to start growing up. It has to come out from the dirt. It has to come out from the adversity. It has to rise above all of its struggles. And it ascended into the heavens. But it didn't stop there. The Bible said that she now that same vine sits at the right hand of the Father according to, uh, to Hebrews. And it daily makes intercession on my behalf as my high priest of the order of Melchizedek. And he's praying for me day after day after day. But the story does not end there. The Bible said that eventually that same vine that sits high above heaven and earth one day is going to come back down again but this time it's coming looking for its branches. It's coming looking for the fruit. It's coming and he says everything that I come, when I get down here something's going to happen. All of the stuff that didn't produce fruit that I told it to do while I was away, it's going to be cut off and thrown into a fire. That's called hell, church. It's going into a lake of fire. But everything whether it's a big branch or it's just one little tiny branch 200 feet away with just one grape on it but if it just has one morsel of fruit on it. It's going to be grafted into the vine and when it goes up again, all those branches and all the fruits of our labor the Bible said when we stand before heaven, all of the fruits of our labor will be displayed in heaven and God will credit us for all of the fruits of our labors. The Bible says that when we get to heaven we can now cease from our labors. Can I tell you that what it means is we have to be a part of the vine, Jesus Christ we have to be planted in his word, planted in the church planted in prayer but sometimes we've got to be pruned but I'm telling you you better still produce fruit I'm telling you the Bible said even so come quickly Lord Jesus you better make sure that you haven't bought sprayed with spiritual roundup and started to die because I'm telling you when God comes back he's looking for a bride without spot and blemish but he's looking for a fruitful church he's working for a church that's producing souls producing lives for the kingdom of Jesus Christ we better make sure we still are producing the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives when He returns. Well, Pastor, how do I produce it? Well, you start showing love. You start living joy. You start experiencing peace. You start giving out patience. You start being kind. You start treating people with gentleness. And then you learn the hardest one of them all. You learn to be self-controlled. Learn to have temperance. Learn to tame your tongue. Learn to control your anger. Learn not, to, learn not to spit off at the mouth when you just get frustrated. you got to learn self-control. It's like going to Krispy Kreme knowing you're a diabetic, seeing the hot signs on and driving past it. That's self-control. Or you can do like some people in my family. You stop and just say, but that's why God made metformin, and you pull in. That same person says, yes, but the Bible said, my God shall supply all my needs. Thank God for medicine. And just pulls right in the drive-thru. 
And then, then that same person also tells me the Bible said that Jesus is the bread of life. It is made out of bread and dough. So it has to be the, it has to be set aside, set apart to the Lord. To it's that same person I say oftentimes is I don't think that's what Jesus meant for you to go get Krispy Kreme on this. See, self-control exhibits itself in many different facets and manifests itself. But the reality of it is this. In order for you to make it to heaven, you've got to produce fruit. Now, I said to you this morning, Miss Carrie, you can make your way um, to play. I said to you this morning, and we were talking, and then I, I said it again tonight. And it, it even makes more sense now after knowing the report from today. Fourteen kids in the back. Sixty-two people in this auditorium this morning. I think it was 61 last week. 63, 62, 63 today. I told you this morning there was you know, 96-ish plus in the bank, something like that. After we make the deposit tomorrow, we'll be at almost 90, over 98.5 in the bank. <laughs> See, the reality of it is, is that some of us have walked through difficult days. We've lost loved ones. We have lost jobs. We have lost health. We have lost wealth. We've lost a lot. You come through difficult days. Some of us have experienced that pruning. I'm going to tell you, it ain't a pleasantful season when God prunes you. It is not fun. When God chastises you, I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt, and Lord knows I hope I never have to go back. But when God does spiritual discipline, it does not feel good. Pruning is not fun, but sometimes it's necessary so I produce better fruit. But there's nothing more sweet than when I can walk into a Walmart or I can walk into a restaurant, a place of establishment. And somebody asks for prayer and I get to do it right there in that restaurant. Or I get to share the love of Jesus with them in that moment. You know, nothing makes my head swell. I'm not an arrogant person in any stress like this. I don't get like that. But I'm going to tell you, probably the closest thing I get to having my head feel like it's as big as, you know, I'll get out is when I walk into King's Pizzeria. When I walk through the door, I could be looking like this or I could look like I fell out of the back of a trash truck and the trash will look better than me. And those guys, whether it's Kel or her brother or whether it's the two owners when they look at me and they say hey father because they equate me as a priest because they're Catholic so they know I'm a preacher so they equate me as a priest. so they don't know my name but they know me as father <laughs> like okay I'm not Catholic but I'll take it I mean my head swells because they recognize not because of my job but they recognize that there's something different about me and not too long ago we were at King's brother Randy and Miss Carol can attest to this because I don't go without him one of the brothers came by that table and he said, will you pray for me? Oh, I'm telling you, my head. I was like, I don't care how much dough you slay in the bag. You just made my day. No matter how many pizzas you make, that just made my head get this big because they see something in their restaurant. A couple weeks ago, I got the esteemed privilege of taking Pastor Tommy Turpin, the youth pastor at Mount Olivet, and the director of change, one of the directors at Change Lives Ministries to lunch. We went to That's My Dog right up here. Where the old ladles used to be in Monk's Corner. Love that place. I can try to go there at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes any day that Brianna doesn't know what I'm doing. I try to go there. Hope she don't catch it on the card. We sat there. We met this lady. I can't tell you her name. We were sitting there eating, and she said, you guys locals? And I said, yeah. And 
we're just getting to talking, and she said, so what are you doing? So Tommy said, oh, I'm a liaison to Change Lives Ministries. And she said, oh, I've heard of them. And she was going through it. He said, yeah, and I, I do, I'm a youth pastor at a local church. She looked at me, and she said, now, now what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. She's like, like a youth pastor? I said, no, I'm, I'm the guy that they fire first. She's like, what? I was like, no, I'm the senior guy. She's like, you're not old enough. I was like, well, thank you. I didn't say I was the senior adult pastor. I just meant like I was over it all, like kind of thing. She walked off, fixed our drinks. She came back. She stood at our table. She said, can I ask y'all something? Sure. She said, will you pray for me before y'all leave? Oh, yes, ma'am, we will. That's all you had to say. See, to me, there's nothing greater as a child of God when moments like that open themselves up for the fruit of the Spirit of God, whether I'm living in joy, peace, patience, kind, whatever it is, when people can see that I'm producing something they don't have and they need it. That makes my day worth living. I say this in closing and then we're going to pray. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Thank God Brandon and I drive separate at home at night. So yesterday, we were cleaning the house. We were working on some shrubs. No, this is Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. So she wanted me to edge one of these trees that was growing up against the side of the house. It was literally like the branches were scraping the back of the house. She wanted me to limit. Limit up. She said, I'm going to run inside, change out of my nice clothes, because she had went somewhere earlier that day, and I'm going to change my clothes, and I'm going to come back out. And you just start, and she showed, I thought I knew where she wanted me to limit. <laughs> um, we didn't have the same view. Because I saw some at the bottom of the tree that was like, that's really in, in my way, trying to get up to the top of the tree. And these guys are coming across my cart path here that I walk in the mornings when I'm praying or whatever. They're a nuisance. Well, before I get the ladder out and get up there, I'll just take these guys down here off. Clap, 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 clap. And I limbed that thing up to probably about, oh, probably yay high off the ground. So all this is now gone. Whoop! From the tree. She walked out. I knew I was in trouble before she said anything. Some of you men know, sometimes it just takes a look. You just know. You're like, God, I wish I had duct tape and could stick this back on that tree and it'd be not noticeable. I know duct tape ain't going to fix this vine, but gosh, I wish I could duct tape it and somehow it would reattach itself with Gorilla Glue and she didn't know I cut it. But I was afraid the Gorilla Glue might kill it too, so I just I was like, man, I should have glued that back on real quick. It's laying on the ground and she goes, what have you done? I was literally gone. Five minutes, I said, well, I was limbing the tree. She said, no, you butchered the tree. <laughs> to which my loving wife, who loves me more than anything else in the world, decided she's going to remind me how much I butchered it by getting on Google and telling me how many years it would take for a branch that size to grow back on my tree. She said, you'll be dead before that tree produces again. I said, well, gosh, that makes me feel real, you know, excited in this moment, like I'm not going to live long enough to see it. She said, you won't. You won't see that tree. You'll be dead before this tree produces. I was like, well, so we looked back and said, it'll take two to three years for this branch to even come back. You probably killed the whole tree. I was in trouble. So, what do I do? I call my mama. Not to tell her about that story. I just told my mama, Mama, I think I killed a tree, and I think I'm next. So, I just let you know, if you don't hear from me, look for me underneath that tree that's going to be dead because I'm the new fertilizer under this tree. My mom and dad came down from Micah's T-ball game yesterday. We were telling, Brandon was telling them the story. <laughs> Only as mamas can do. My dad looked at it. Yeah, that thing looks bad. He's like, that's an ugly looking tree now. 
Thanks, Dad. Why don't you just stop talking? You're not helping this situation. You and Brianna, go inside and get your donut. Leave me alone. That's only my mama could say. She looked at it and she said, well, hopefully it won't die. It probably will, but hopefully it won't. Well, Mom, you're better. And she said, but you know what? You know what, son? If it dies, you know what's good about it? I said, what's that, Mama? She said, you can plant a new tree. I said, well, Mama, first of all, I won't live long enough to see that one. She said, I know, but at least it won't be as big to cut. You'll never have to prune it in your lifetime. That'll be somebody else's problem instead of yours. And I thought, that's why she's my mom. There we go. I have heard from the Lord. Yes. Brianna did not feel God, but I was shouting at that moment. Thank you, Jesus. And then she said, can I tell you another secret? She said, yeah. I said, yeah, please do. Mom, you're on a roll. She said, I don't like that tree anyway. You should. I hope it does die so we can plant a new tree in there. And I'm like, whoo, thank you, Jesus. Brianna's like standing at the glass door looking at me like, I'm like, okay, God, I do want the tree to live. Thank God you let my mom encourage me in this season of adversity. But I want you to know that sometimes we might make a mess of things in life. Screw it up. But one thing we have to remember is God's like my mama in terms of when I mess it all up, he can walk outside and look at what we've done wrong and say, let me help you something, son. It may not look the best, but we can work with it. I can fix that. And worst case scenario, if I can't salvage what we've just done, it's like that potter on the potter's wheel. The potter, I'll just, we'll just take it out of the equation and we'll just make something even better than we've ever had before. We'll just make something totally different. See, that's why I love God, because even when I screw it up, He knows how to fix what I screw up. So can I tell you tonight before we pray, make sure you're a part of the vintage vine. Make sure you have the fruit of the Spirit. Make sure you know who He is, because I'm telling you there is nothing sweeter than knowing no matter how messed up, bad, you make a mistake or do anything or butcher your life or any other capacity. There's a God in heaven no matter how bad it seems to get. There is a vine dresser, a husbandman up in heaven that will look down from the portals of glory and say, but as long as you stay grafted in the vine, you might be 200 feet downwind and you may feel like the most tiny insignificant part of the body and the most tiny insignificant branch there is, but I can make fruit out of you. I can produce something out of you and you're just as important to me as the giant tree trunk on this end of the branch. And can I tell you that whether you are big for the kingdom you're small for the kingdom if you produce fruit Jesus said you're just as valuable to him as anything else as long as you stay grafted into that vine as you stand all over the house this evening here's my prayer for us today before we leave here's my challenge to you this week Micah so eloquently just told you what the nine fruits of the spirit were you want to go back and read it you can find them in Galatians chapter 5 I begin I think it begins in verse 22 and verse 23 Galatians 5 22 and 23 you go back and read them for yourself if you don't remember them. but I want you to do one thing for me this week not because you love me but because you love God I want you to do this pick one of those I don't care which one you pick I prefer you to pick all of them but we'll start simple for you some of y'all graduated from Berkeley we have to start small some of y'all graduated from Dorchester County schools. <laughs> y'all don't even know how to read it yet. I have to tell you what it is. But I want you to pick one. Whether you pick love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, whatever kind of faithfulness, whatever you pick one. And find a way this week to live that one out to the best of your ability. If you pick gentleness, 
then do your best that no matter who you encounter and no matter how bad they frustrate you, you show them a gentle spirit. If you pick faithfulness, no matter what's required of asking you this week, do it with the spirit of excellence to the best of your ability. If you pick self-control, which probably none of y'all going to pick that one, but if you do pick self-control, actually self be self-controlled this week. And if you mess up, ask God to help you or tell your spouse you're sorry and start over, but try to live. If you pick love, love somebody. I'm not talking about, I mean, obviously you should love your spouse and your children, but find that one person that gets on your nerves and ask God to help you love them like you love your family. If you pick faithfulness then be faithful if you pick kindness be kind but pick one i don't care what you pick pick one and i want you this week to next sunday i want you to do everything you're don't mean you won't mess up if you do ask god to help you and start over but try to live that one fruit of the spirit out to the very best of your ability because even if you only produce one grape this one fruit this week least you know if jesus comes he's still got you grafted in his vine and you are still a fruit bearing part of the vine. So just pick one and let that fruit bear in your life this week. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, I have preached your word. People of God. Every man, woman, boy, or girl that stands in the sound of my voice, God, we are all called to be fruit bearers. Men and women that are part of a grafted vine, the vintage vine so that we can yield much fruit for the kingdom of God. When we leave this place, let us go to and fro our destination with a heart after you. Let us not only hear what this word was today, but be doers of it. And let us, whatever fruit we pick this week, let us do it with a spirit of excellence that would bring glory and honor to you. And if we mess up, chastise us to the point of recognizing it and help us to get back on that path to live it the right way. Father, may you bless us and keep us and your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance and give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts. And may the words of our mouth and meditation of our heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. People of God said, amen. Before we are dismissed and we pray our benedictory prayer, don't forget there is a sign-up sheet for like cookies and cakes and stuff if you want to get some of those things and chips. Uh, if not, please do monetary donations. We're t- collecting those just so we can pay for all this food, for all these people we're going to be feeding. Uh, let me say to all the men, uh, Brother Henry and Brother Dennis especially, who are our master engineers who put this cardboard contraption together, um, I told them, man, if I ever decide to sell my house, they can just build me one out of cardboard, and I can live in that. In fact, Brother Henry's already started. He built me an outhouse out there, too. Literally, there's one in the back. You can go to the fellowship hall if you want to see it. It says outhouse. He said, well, I've already got started on it, so I got one. Uh, we're getting slow. He said, that's the most important room you'll have in your house. I was like, well, thank you. So we have that. But that being said, to the engineers that did that, and to Miss Tina and Miss Jennifer and others who, I'm sure that I missed somebody, that painted and, and did all that, Miss Sandy who helped with some of the other things and ideas for the, for the flames and all that stuff, to Brother Larry, others who assembled this thing together and painted dormers and everything else. They've worked countless hours around the clock. So all the people that's helped so far, thank you. All my volunteers that are working, kitchen and kids and all you other people doing stuff. And Brother and Sister Carlsey who are teaching the adult class. And everyone's a thank you because we can't do it without you. It's hard to pull VBS off of one person. You've got to have a team of people. But I believe God's going to help us. Make sure you take those invite cards and you invite somebody, tell somebody that uh, we're having VBS uh, coming up June the 5th through the 9th. 
Before we're dismissed, I'm going to ask the former pastor of this house, Pastor Art, if he would pray our benedictory prayer. Immediately following that, you can be free to be dismissed. I love you. Hope to see you on Wednesday night. God bless you. Pastor, would you pray?